Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I'm delighted to be able to drive us back into the series that we're in entitled Twisted. And this morning I want to jump right to the scripture verse that we're going to look at today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's perhaps one of the most recited and most recognized verses in all 66 books of the Bible. In fact, by a show of hands, how many of you at some point, regardless of how, where you are on the faith journey in your life, how many of you by show of hands have ever heard that verse in some form or fashion? Can I, can I see your hands? Yeah, overwhelmingly, everybody here has heard this verse before. And there's no doubt about it. It is a verse that really is a popular verse by the crowd that says God wants to bless you beyond your wildest dreams and give you more than you could ever imagine. The problem with that is this verse has become so theologically twisted that it's lost its original intended meaning. Let me give you just some illustrations of that. This verse has really been popularized in the soil of social media. Social media has driven this, and this verse, among many verses, has been trivialized and even trinketized into being uh, something that is being marketed. And here's a, here's a post that was on social media not too long ago. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something when the Bible says you can do all things through Christ. The verse has almost become a mystical incantation for some well-meaning sports figures that leverage this particular verse to really mean God is on my side and I'm a winner because God is on my side. And there's some truth to that. Heavyweight boxing champion Evander Holyfield actually wore this on shorts. He had it imprinted on shorts that he wore while he boxed. He had a robe that had Philippians 4.13 on it. When he wore that robe in a boxing match with Mike Tyson, man, he triumphed. He won. And when he wore that same robe in in a match with Lennox Lewis, he actually lost. So which is it? Maybe perhaps more recently we've recognized this as being part of some eye paint that's under some well-meaning athletes. Again, an I do not judge motivation. And I do not pretend to presume why individuals do that. I don't know heart, but I know this. I know what we generally connect. And the the wider audience of people, when they see Philippians 4.13 being used in a sporting contest, tend to think it means that I'm going to win and you're going to lose. There's a lot of individuals today that believe this verse can be used as an I-can-do-anything mentality. You want that job promotion? Go for it. You can do all things. You want to find that perfect soulmate? mate? Whatever it takes, go for it. You want to become rich and successful and that's the drive of your life and your big ambition? Do it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There's almost been a mentality of nothing is impossible. It's what actually has put American Idol on the map in many ways all these aspiring musicians coming together 
and, and believing they had the very best voice in the world. And even predicting, I'm going to be the next American Idol. That's the reason I'd watch it. I wanted to see the train wrecks that followed. Because so often it was those that really believed they had the Because listen, my family told me, my friends told me, I need to go on American Idol. I can do this. Michael Jordan has had a, and still has a can-do attitude, right? It's what helped him lead the Chicago Bulls to three NBA championships. And he translated that and tra- uh, transferred that particular attitude into the baseball world when he tried to become a professional baseball athlete. And that same can-do attitude from the basketball court didn't translate with the same level of success in the baseball field. There's a lot of Christians and perhaps a lot of us sitting here today that honestly, if we're, if we're really honest about it, we use Philippians 4.13 as a fallback position when we have either failed to well prepare or we have failed to do our job and our hard work in life. Uh, there's a number of Christian students that I know I used to hear say things like that when they would go into a test they hadn't prepared for. And then they went in saying, hey, I learned a verse in Sunday school that said I can do all things. And they'd go into the test saying, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. Then they got the grade back and they lamented, I wish I had done something, right? Because it didn't translate into the kind of success they thought. Now, here's the reality. On its face, Philippians 4.13 is a feel-good verse. But on its face, Philippians 4.13 lacks the cultural and contextual root that helps us attach meaning and significance and value to what is being written and why it's included in our Bibles. Can we do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Is that really what this verse is suggesting, or is there more? Well, perhaps you've guessed it. If we've included it in this series, Twisted, it's because there's more. There's more to it than the ten words that appear in Philippians 4.13. A whole lot more. And what we want to do this morning for just the next few moments is we want to dig at the root system a little bit of that verse. We want to dig around a little bit deeper, and we want to discover what it is that we are really being promised in Philippians 4.13, because it's beautiful. It's significant. And I'll give it to you on the front end as a big idea. Now, it's actually not a big idea. It's a gigantic promise today that, that serves as our big idea. And here it is. God promises that you can do all things that Christ leads you through. That subtle change in that verse in the way we understand it is really at the heart of what that verse is saying god promises that i can do all things christ takes me through and i think this morning if this verse does not promise unlimited success and if this verse is not a guarantee that i'm going to succeed and not fail then what does it promise? What are those promises? Well, I think there are several this morning I want to give you very quickly. Number one, I can courageously endure hardship through Christ 
who gives me strength. I can courageously endure hardship through Christ who strengthens me. If you want to fully understand and appreciate the weightiness of Philippians 4.13, you've got to get to know the author a little bit. And the author is Paul the Apostle, who is writing Philippians, the book of Philippians, the letter, from a Roman prison. It is one of four New Testament letters that we know as the prison epistles. They are letters that literally were penned while Paul is awaiting his sentencing and potential imminent execution. That's where Paul is writing this letter from. He is not on the top of the world. Paul is at the bottom of the, of the ladder of life, struggling in some ways, and yet feeling empowered and enabled by God to endure the hardship that he's experiencing. Look at what he writes in the first chapter. Philippians 1, 19-21. I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Now listen to this. Whether through life or whether by death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Did you catch that? What Paul is saying is this. Paul is saying that because of your prayers and because of Christ's supply, I can do whatever it is God asks me to do. I can endure hardship through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul is not the first person to tap into this. Surely Paul knew that, as he said, I can endure prison through Christ who strengthens me. He's thinking about Peter, the apostle who was in prison for his faith and who actually was awaiting sentencing by Herod who had just killed one of the other disciples by the sword. He knew what waited him. And yet while he's in prison, chained between two guards, Peter's sleeping comfortably, relaxed. Why? Because he knows he can endure hardship. He can follow the example and the model and the trail that was blazed by his Savior who actually endured the hardship of the cross and said, I could do that through my Father's supply of power. I can't do it alone, but I can do it through my Father's supply of power. That same uh, knowledge that Paul had, that Peter had, that Jesus had, is the same assurance Paul wanted each of us to have. And I am so glad it's there, and I'll tell you why. Because I need that same power that God promises me when I go through hardships many times that are created by my own choices. So often in life, I go through the disappointments of life. I go through the uncertainty and through the trials and tribulations of life. And what God promises me is that I can endure those. See, this morning, we do not need a God who will just inspire us to go after our biggest dreams and go after uh, conquering the world. That's not the kind of God we need. We need a God who actually can step into our world when it gets chaotic and we feel overwhelmed and we feel imprisoned by life's pressures. We need a God who can help us have joy in the middle of those circumstances and that difficulty. I think sometimes in life, 
people tend to use this verse to think that God wants us to go after whatever it is, whatever the desire is on our heart. Just go after it. All things and anything is yours through Christ by just invoking that name. And that's not what it's promising. Here's what it's promising. God is not encouraging us to go after bigger dreams. God is promising us that when our world collapses because the dreams do not come to pass, He'll be there. God is not saying go conquer the world. What He's saying is when the world feels like it's conquering you and you feel like you are at the bottom and you are struggling, I'm going to give you the power to not only endure but to do it courageously, to get through it by my grace. I promise you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can endure hardship through Christ who strengthens you. Second thing I think it, it promises us is that I can, I can humbly accept my financial margin through Christ who strengthens me. I can humbly accept my financial margin through Christ who strengthens me. When you drop this verse, Philippians 4.13, into its context, all of a sudden the message of it becomes crystal clear. Here's the context, verses 11 and 12 of, of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things, Paul said. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. You remove the framework to Philippians 4.13 and you lose the significance of what Paul is really telling us and what God is promising us. I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. We all love secrets, so shh, i got a secret for you. All ready? Here it is. Here's the secret. This verse is all about contentment. That's the secret. That's the secret Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a secret that doesn't come and that we can't conjure up in ourselves. It can only come through Christ's power. What Paul is suggesting is this. I recognize what it's like to be overflowing with goodness. Some of us here are living in a season of our life where you cannot turn the spigot off. It is just like you are getting filled with so many good things in your life. Everywhere you turn, it's turning to gold, and you are so happy. You're on top of the world. Good for you. It's where God wants you to be. But sometimes we go through times in our life where we would love to just get a drip of something good. We feel dry and empty. We feel like things aren't coming together in our world the way we wanted them to. We feel like we're living with little instead of plenty. Paul said, listen, I know what it's like to have plenty of food. I know what it's like to have plenty of clothes. I also know what it's like to not know where my next meal is coming from. To have no idea. And I can do it. I can do it. 
through Christ who strengthens me. You see, here's the secret that I think of contentment that Paul and God want us to understand. I think the secret is this, that regardless of what your bank account says, and regardless of what you have in your 401k, regardless of your brokerage fund, the level of it today, those things, regardless of them, are not what make you rich. You are already rich because of Christ's power that lives within you. God is the great equalizer when it comes to our standing before Him. And He became poor so that we could become rich. And through Jesus Christ, we can do it by His grace. And so what He's saying is this. I am, there's a secret to how I'm living my life, and that secret is contentment. I'm going to choose to be content regardless of the circumstances in my life. And how do I do that? How do I choose to do that? I do it through Christ, who empowers me and enables me and gives me the strength to do it. This is not about your collective net worth. This is a power that is all about your worth in Jesus Christ, your value in Him. There's a third thing I think that we're promised. I can resist temptation through Christ who strengthens me. That's a promise. That's actually what 1 Corinthians says. Chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure it. I've got good news for you today and I've got some bad news. The good news is you're not the first one to be tempted in the area you're experiencing temptation right now. The bad news is you're not the last person and it may not be the last time you experience the temptation you're going through right now. But here's God's promise. God's promise to us is that when we walk through temptation, God will always give us a window of light that we can go toward and that we can escape out of. I look back on my own life in times that I have been tempted, times that I have struggled with temptation, and there have been times it's been greater and times that it's been less. But the reality is, just like every single person, my temptations are the same as yours. We all face them. We all battle with them. As I look back, I can tell you this. God has always provided a way. I didn't always take it. I didn't always choose to walk toward God's light, toward that window of hope, that window of escape but it was there. I could see it crystal clear, but I chose to ignore it. When we are tempted, God promises we can resist it. And I have learned through my life that the more I practice resisting it, the better at it I get. And I think this is a practice and a discipline that we all need to do. Which brings me to one final thing that we're promised. You're not only promised through Philippians 4.13, that you can endure hardship through Christ who strengthens you. You're not only promised that it is possible to be faithful to God in the midst of temptation. You're not only promised that you can live within your financial margin and limits. And by the way, you know how a person really gets that? You know how you can tell when a person understands Philippians 4.13 in the financial realm? Here it is. 
when an individual who has little keeps and maintains a posture of gratitude and joyfulness in the midst of little, you know they get it. And when a person has much and they maintain an attitude of humility and generosity in the midst of that, they get it. They understand that it's all from God and that it's God's grace that gets them through. I think it's all summarized in one final thing. I can faithfully fulfill God's will for my life through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 is not a unilateral promise. It is an offer to us that through the grace of God we are able to do and fulfill God's will for our lives. And we can honor Him. So the next time you hear Philippians 4.13, please don't think winning in a sports event. Think winning attitude in life, whether you are winning or losing. That's actually what Philippians 4.13 is promising us. And we are guaranteed that through Christ's power, it is possible to do God's will. Here's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Over the last month, one of our vehicles has been in the service department three weeks out of the last month. We have a recurring problem they can't seem to figure out. It's going back tomorrow morning again. And I've got to confess to you, I've not done a good job fulfilling God's will for my life over the last three weeks. I have not been rejoicing about that circumstance. Oh, I've been praying a lot, but I've not been praying with gratitude. I've not been praying with thanksgiving. You know why? Because it's not in me to do it. But what I can do, and what I am confessing to you today I need to do, is I need to tap into the power that God makes available through Jesus Christ, that I can actually fulfill his will for me, even when I don't feel like it, even when life has become a terrible frustration for me. I can still fulfill the words of 1 Thessalonians, and I can honor God with my life. I don't know if any of you ever struggle with the circumstances of your life, and you struggle to be grateful. Maybe I'm the only one. But but let me be an example to you this morning. God wants us to confess that to him. He wants us to bring that to him. And he wants us to invite him into it because through Jesus Christ, we can fulfill God's will for our life. I want you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes as we close in prayer. And here's what I want to do in our prayer this morning as we close. I want to pray specifically with those of you here in the auditorium who this morning are struggling with a circumstance that you are finding it difficult to maintain a winning attitude in the middle of it. Maybe that circumstance for you is a temptation. Perhaps your circumstance is financially related. Maybe you're going through a hardship in your life that It's been brought about by a poor decision on your part or someone else's part, but it's created incredible hardship for you. And you're feeling the weight and the mountain of that particular circumstance.
listen this morning. God's promise to you is you can do it. You can have the right attitude through Christ who strengthens you. This verse has nothing to do with positive circumstances. It has everything to do with the right attitude. And God wants us to have it. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.